My name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial Asian station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangra while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast and do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. Hello, this is Sonia Datta. Welcome to episode 3 in my mental health and awareness series. In last week's episode, I talked about one of the ways to work with mind chatter so that it starts to work in our favour rather than against us. The exercise I shared with you included making a gratitude list. If you missed that episode, feel free to check it out and then maybe come back and listen to this one again so everything falls into place. It's always a good idea to listen to these things multiple times to get a better understanding. I also mentioned that it's important to make sure you're not reciting your gratitude list with fear attached. This week, I want to go into more detail about that because it really can make a huge difference to the outcome you're trying to achieve and it can have a knock-on effect on everything else that you do afterwards. By the way, apologies if it sometimes sounds like I'm drifting off the mark and you just want me to get to the point sooner, but I'm afraid the drifting away bit is what actually brings you closer to understanding what I'm saying. It's just not enough to simply state something as deep as this and expect someone that might be completely new to it to actually get it. I always try to explain things in layman's terms, in their simplest form, because even I know that it can be mighty confusing to grasp these things or see their importance, especially if you're completely new to it and used to being and thinking in a different way. Okay, so what does it mean to have fear attached when being grateful? Is that even possible? How can we be fearful and grateful all at the same time? Even though these two words, fear and gratitude, are polar opposites with very different emotions attached, they can be practiced together. And many people do this more often than they think, which is why I have so many people telling me, I'm doing everything you've asked me to, I'm going through my gratitude list every single day, using all the right vocabulary, keeping track of my feelings all day long, but somehow things are just not working out. What they don't realize is that progress is progress, whether good or bad, and they're seeing bad progress as a result of the fear that they're attaching to what they're doing. So here's the thing. One of the most important things that we need to learn and hang on to for life is that every word that we speak has an emotion of some sort attached to it. Every word. Majority of the times we don't notice this, and the stronger the emotions, the more we notice them. And then we feel, act and be in a way that mirrors them. But how can we're so affected by our emotions? 
To cut a long story short, look at your emotions as a form of energy that is continuously circulated and transported to each area of your body. The type of energy that goes around will depend on what sort of emotions you're feeling at any particular time. Now, the subject of energy is huge, so I'm going to save that for next week's episode. Be sure to listen out for that. It is actually one of my favourite areas to talk about. Everything is about our emotions. It's our feelings that determine which way our life goes next. Of course, there's the practical side to it, where we must make decisions and take action. But believe it or not, these things are secondary. It's how we feel about something that will motivate, demotivate or push us to make a certain decision or take a particular route to somewhere. Everything that happens, happens as a result of how we feel. So, if everything happens as a result of how we feel, isn't it important then to take this into consideration when working with our gratitude list? I mean, what is the purpose of a gratitude list? Why do people even have one? A number of reasons, really. To stay grounded, to give thanks to the Creator, and mostly to help attract more reasons to feel grateful for. So here's the difference between saying your gratitude list with pure gratitude and saying your gratitude list with fear attached. Notice the difference between one person saying, I absolutely love my job. I work with some really nice people and it pays me a decent salary so I can take care of my house and home and look after my loved ones and buy all the things that I need. I feel really good about the work that I do. Compare that with the next person saying, I absolutely love my job. I work with some really nice people and it pays me a decent salary so I can take care of my house and home and look after my loved ones and buy the things that I need, which is why I need to hang on to it. Because if I lose this job, then I lose everything that comes with it. And then I have to look for another job. What if I can't find another job? Then I won't be able to pay my mortgage or look after my family or buy the things that we need. And my partner might even leave me for someone else. And and then I'll be all alone and probably fall into depression. And who knows if I'll come out of that because I'm not the best person to be dealing with sad emotions. And my partner knows this too, but might still leave me. Dear God, please don't make me lose my job. I need it so much. You see what just happened there? The second person literally overruled everything positive they just said in their gratitude list with the fear of not only losing their job but all the consequences that might follow afterwards that's all the consequences that haven't even happened they just made them all up in their own mind whilst they were supposed to be doing the exact opposite and this my friends is how we can often be our own worst enemy to ask whether you do this or not is not even a question i know you do i do it too we all do it to some degree it's just how we've been taught or allowed to be for so many years that it's just normal now. But the good thing is, and I mean the really good thing, that it's time to change our thinking, drop the old normal, and start right now to work on the new and more beneficial normal. The key is to know how to identify when you're making this mistake of overthinking. Stop thinking about the matter more than you need to. Otherwise, you will turn it into a problem that really isn't even a problem, but has no choice but to become a problem because you won't have it any other way. Life wants to work out better for you, but it can only do that if you play along. Meet it halfway. 
It's given you so, so much already and taken away from you very little in comparison. The sooner you realize that, the sooner you can recite your gratitude list that's full of all the wonderful things and people that you're blessed with happily, without fear attached. Remember that fear is usually of the unknown, of what might happen. Instead of focusing on what might happen, pay more attention to what is happening and what will happen as a result of completing these exercises correctly. I hope this episode has helped add some value to your day in at least some small way. Thanks for listening, stay fearless, and I'll catch you next week. The lady with an infectious laugh. You know who it is. Sonia Dutta, Monday to Friday, 9am to 12 noon, to keep you smiling. Anushka Aurora, as always, lovely to have your company for the Sunrise Radio podcast. And this week, I have another special guest on the show. Here I am then this week sitting down with my favourite brother duo, Amal and Arman Malik. And they speak to me about their recently released song in Bell Bottom Tum Aoge, as well as the most cutest interruption that we had in the interview. Firstly, boys, congratulations on Tum Aoge. I think I'm just going to be saying congratulations to you every time I speak to you. Um, it's another one. It's another one in the bag. Um, but how are both of you uh, kind of taking in the success of uh, this song, especially for it being um, part of a movie that is releasing in cinemas after such a long time? So, Arman, I'll start with you first. I think it's a blessing to be a part of this movie uh, because... I, I believe that Bell Bottom is in a way going to, you know, roll the ball for the whole Bollywood industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've been closed for, I think, what, 17 months now, if mm-hmm. I'm not wrong. Yeah. And uh, a lot of technicians, a lot of uh, cinema owners, a lot of distributors all have kind of like, they don't know where to start from. They're all starting from scratch and they it's economically, it's been really, really bad for all of them. So I'm really glad that, you know, we're part of such a movie that's not only, uh, not only tells an important, you know, story and is really gripping, but also helps the whole film community and the industry in, in, as a whole. And uh, Tum Aoge is a very special song. It's not just another romantic song, not just another ballad. Uh, it's a very meaningful song, very soulful song. And I feel like the lyrics really, um, you know, speak volumes, uh, even with the simple words. So Amal and uh, Virak sir are a formidable team. I think whenever they come together, they come out with gems. Be it Boldo Nazara, be it Mehra Huyan Arun, be it Tere Mere. And uh, I'm glad that I've been part of all those songs. So yeah, I think over to Amal to explain a little more about the song and the movie. Yes, go for Amal. So for me, I, I, I don't know where to start because Tum Aoge uh, is something that, you know, I'm really proud of because I feel, you know, I've done lots of music and people love my music, but there was this thirst to put out music like this, which I had not done in, I don't know, I've never done a song like this for a movie. It was maybe, you know, people are saying they, they're happy to, it's reminding them of even Tu Bhula Jase, which I did in Airlift. Yeah. Sorry. Arman, can you tell mom not to call me? Just put it on airplane mode. Wait, wait, sorry. Mom, interview, interview, time out. <laughs> You're getting some candid stuff here. I love this. This is staying in the interview, not being edited out at all. You should, you should. 
I'll call you. I'll call you. Good night. So whenever we do Instagram lives or some important interview, she has the most impeccable timing. She will come and call us exactly when it goes live. I love that. I'm so happy it happened in this one. <laughs> so yeah, tell me. So sorry, Amal. You was you were saying, and actually, I just want to um, just off the back of what Arman said. Uh, Arman, yeah. you said it's a very meaningful song, which it is, and I think uh, both of you together work really well when it comes to meaningful songs. And I think there is—I don't know if there is still—which uh, is a question I want to ask you—but there was uh, this whole view of lyricists not getting their due. You know, um, I did hear at one yeah. point yeah, a, a few months ago that lyricists aren't getting their dues; they're not getting credited. I mean, is that still the case? Has it gotten better? Uh, it's not. there but i think uh, everyone's working towards it and you know musicians specifically i can speak for myself uh, in the year 2014 when even i was like a young 23 year old doing his first song i still uh, sent like an eight eight line credit for my whole team mm. not just the lyricist every person who was involved in the song because i think that's the only way for them also to be uh, maybe getting some work maybe you know a guitarist who's played for me tomorrow if that song is successful he will benefit from it mm. so why should we take away that right from them from musicians from session musicians from lyricists and without the lyricist no song i i don't believe i don't think a melody will remain forever without great words so why not they are the most uh, integral part of the song and it's sad that you know they had to do a song and you know all of that and do a video to speak about their rights yeah like they had to go to that level to tell people that we are not getting our due which is sad i think uh, that's something all the labels also should uh, look into all the time that the composer and the lyricist and the singer all three but the lyricist is the only person who is not going to be able to get on a stage and you know uh, bag a show or do some brand endorsements which you know today it's an influential age they are not those people with the kind of love a, a composer or a singer gets mm. so why make their chances even more harder we anyway are not managing to duly credit them and then there's no you know they everyone wants to show that link and say check this out i wrote this song yeah. and when you take that away from them that is that's that's evil that's yeah. not good Isn't this just basic? Like, isn't it really basic? Credit <laughs> I don't. Know. I think. I, I think it, the it absolute. Makes me laugh. Basic, <laughs> it's the laugh. absolute basics that people don't get right. It's just. <laughs> I mean, w- w- what are we asking for? I've written the song, or I've sung the song, or I've composed the song. I'm just asking for a credit. It's as simple as that. Just to be. It shouldn't be even something to ask for. Even yeah, yeah exactly. This thing that I did, I, I, I've. spoken about a, about a dozen or times about this when it was even the radio stations in in our country they would announce a song saying check out this singer's song it's not just that singer's song it's mm. all three mm. just say composed by written by and sung by yeah. yeah sometimes they don't even say the singer they'll say is movie ka gana oh. just it's okay but it's better to inform people because anyway people don't like even now i have friends who don't know what music composition is they still think oh amal you're a singer you make songs you sing and you make songs but i they don't know what is the composition aspect they just know that acha ye gata hai yeah that's yeah. not that's not it we have so many great creators in this country such great writers and if we don't respect them no one's going to choose this as their 
career ever. It's just no, going to get less and Absolutely. Lesser. Absolutely. And I think it's thanks to people like both of you who are actually voicing this um, and are actually talking about it because before maybe it was just like, you know, it was just brushed under the carpet and it wasn't even spoken about. But it's nice to know that people like both of you are bringing it out and are actually fighting for it. Um, both Amal and I, we always, we don't hold back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Which is, for which the is truth, good. I think that, that gets us into trouble, but we're okay. <laughs> I know. It's good trouble to have, honestly. <laughs> because you're standing for something that's you know right absolutely no of course um and you know uh, amal you said like you know the composition of the music i mean there's so much detail that and effort that goes in into making a song i mean just explain like how it works because sometimes i know you're up at like some really ungodly hours like composing songs <laughs> your insta lives are like happening at 11 p.m uk time and i'm like wow you know like your body clocks must be all over the place in this sense <laughs> i i think uh, that's that's what even my mom just called and that's the complaint that is this the time to wake up when will you and it's like breakfast happening at four o'clock in the afternoon exactly. but it just happens you know and I think all creative people love working through the night hmm. and to simply put it like in today's like to explain to a person who's not from the industry or a layman who's a listener I think there are four pillars of music right now that create a song it's the person who makes the melody, the composer. He is the one who, you know, hires a music producer or a team of musicians and produces himself. It's like a, it's a, it's an effort of a lot of people. It's not just one man show. Then there's a lyricist who works. Then, you know, like in my process, Arman is sometimes there. He's adding his own chords, giving me ideas. It's, it's growing. It's like a ball that's growing into a, a bigger one that, you know, every day there's something new that you're adding or subtracting from the song. So there's so many minds involved. And I think music production, lyric writing, singing and composition, these four things are what define, you know, how a song is made. And it takes sometimes five minutes. You have a melody, sometimes it takes five weeks. Yeah. So it can just mess with your mind. There are days like almost five, six weeks. I've not, um, I've not managed to make a good song at all. So, you know, it's, it's, we it's, call it the it's, composer's uh, block. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. You, you can do everything else, but you can't make something that you, you're so used to making music every day. We do that, but yeah. there are days you can't. So this is also, you know, a way to look at it as a gift that you have to, you know, protect. That's, that's the reason why artists should be credited. They should, you need to protect them because they're only into their music. Every one is just trying to do a good job and just be credited for it. So those basic things, if it starts happening in this side of the world, just like it's all over the world, I think there'll be many more musicians and so many people wanting to do music. Now, mm-hmm. no one wants to do it because they're like, oh, what's going to happen? It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't go through. There's mm-hmm. so many young kids who come try to sing for Bollywood. They, they don't manage. They don't try to get, they don't manage to get a foothold. It's because they know and everyone wants to be a singer. No one comes to me like people who come to assist me. I've not seen any kid who's come up to and say, I want to compose. They say, we want to learn, learn with you, but we want to eventually become a singer, which is great. But no one chooses music direction because they're like, what do you guys get? Yeah. yeah. That needs to change. And I think I'm leading, leading that side of the movement where I think I'm going to change that. 
Well, I really hope so. Um, Arman, how important is it for you to listen to a music composer whilst making a song? Um, I think, you know, see, there are two aspects. Firstly, I'm a songwriter myself when it comes to my English songs. And when I'm a playback singer, I... Uh, uh, I would say I submit myself to the composer because for those two, three hours that I spend in the studio, um, the composer is my guru. I need to uh, be his clay and he's going to mold me and kind of like make his song come alive through me. So I really need to be receptive. I really need to be open to suggestions, uh, need to soak in as much as I can and then obviously reproduce it in my own style and my own manner. Uh, that's that's what I have learned over the, o, o, over a period of time, and obviously with Amal, both of us are so like uh, you know tightly linked together. When he's composing a song, I'm always around, and I'm part of the process. So uh, you know, it's probably even tougher to do a session with Amal because uh, he he knows what I'm capable of, and he wants to extract the absolute best out of me. So uh, with Amal, it's a very different process. But as of now, I think we've just come to an understanding of where I know what is com where his compositions are leading, where he wants my voice to go and how much he wants me to extract out of my, out of my voice. So uh, I, I, I would say it's a collaborative process. When you enter a studio, you got to sit down with the composer and really understand his psyche, where he's coming from, because he's lived with a song much before than, like much longer than you have, because I, I've just come in and I'm just learning the song. And in two hours, I have to sing something that probably... Uh, the guy has been living with for six months. So yeah. that's also, I think that's also such an unfair thing. You know, if you think about it, it is. you call his finger and you give him two hours to understand something I've lived for maybe six years. Exactly. So it's exactly. never going to happen. I Which think is that's why what I, I, I do that. I send Arman the song. Sometimes if he's there, yeah. even if I'm working at Arijit, I send, send them the song. Hmm. I let the, the artist live with it. Yeah. Which is, I think, nice because they understand it even more. And then they, in some way or form, they also live with it too. Uh, if not for the entire amount, but at least for some more part of it, right? I think what used to happen back in the day is that composers, lyricists and singers used to have this jam session kind of sitting yeah. thing yeah. where they used to rehearse the song with the singers. The singers oh, used to really? understand the melody. And rehearse it for almost, I, I, I've heard from my dad for like almost a month, people used to yeah. learn the song and rehearse the song with the whole band because at that time they had to do everything in one take. It, yeah. it couldn't be like, you couldn't yeah. chop up stuff and do. Yeah, they had only four tracks. Track. There were only four tracks to record. Yeah. I mean, I think it was melody, it was rhythm, it was uh, vocals and then obviously. Five instruments. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how they did it. They were geniuses. But what I really love about that process is that, you know, we get to live with the song as singers. And then once, as they say, na, aapke room mein bas jana gana. Ek bar wo room mein bas gaya, then you, for you to reproduce it is not going to be an issue because that time you're just going to float with the song. When I'm singing it fresh, I'm learning the song simultaneously while recording it, which is, which is not good. I'm not giving my absolute organic best to the song. So I think as a process, me and Amal, over the, uh, over, over the last few years, actually, we started jamming, listening to the song multiple times before I actually nice. recorded and doubled. So, so thanks to both of you. I think that whole freshness of uh, music, but yet bringing that like old school style back, uh, I think it's really nice for you both to be keeping that alive because you do bring the fresh sounds and you do bring like new music to us. Uh, and I think it's weird because you bring music to us like 
every time we feel like, oh, we haven't heard a love song for a while, you bring it. Every time we feel like, oh, we, we need like a party song. It's like, it's just there. You bring it out, which I don't know. Somehow the timing just works perfectly. So um, I think kudos to both of you for really, really, I think the hard work it is when they say hard work pays off, it really is paying off. So uh, thank you very, very much thank to both of you. And before I let you go, uh, please sing for me. I'm not going to ask or ask for a particular song but whatever both of you uh want to do a nice little jam session for me here uh that'll be nice i think i'd we love to sing a little bit of tom aoge a song from bell bottom um amal i think i i think i'll just sing like one verse of it and then you can pick up the the chorus part okay done so then there's no confusion and lag <laughs> yes sir <laughs> Mm, one second. Huh? By the way, this is uh, our 45th song together and my 90th song of my career. Oh my Why? God. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. We, we Congratulations. We're five away from doing 50 together. Wow. <laughs> That's some Malik trivia happening right here. <laughs> really cool. Oh my God, guys. Please just hurry up and do more songs. Just keep bringing us the music. Coming, coming. All are on their way. <laughs> lots, lots more coming. Hmm. मेरा घर तेरे बिना सोना है मेरा घर तेरे बिना सोना है खाली दीवारे तुझको पुकारे खिड़की की तन्हाइया बस निहारे वो रास्ता जिस पे चल के तुम आओगे तुम आओगे तुम आओगे तुम आओगे तुम आओगे Yay! That was amazing, guys. Thank you so, so much. Um, I honestly, sometimes I feel like I don't know what to say to you, just except the fact that you both are honestly amazing. Um, God bless both of you. (laughs) God bless both of you and um, just keep the magic happening. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anuka. Lots of love. Lots of love. And Amal, thanks for coming on time today. I literally, I saw, like, I got a message. I said, I have an interview with you. I was like, last time, I know it was one. She she had to run away. I mean, it was a seven minute interview. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's all good. You're worth the wait. You really (laughs) are. So, all good. (laughs) This time, I think I was late. It's like, okay, yeah, Arman, you're I forgiven. You're never late, only today. So you're forgiven. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Chalo, take care. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Listen to our Bollywood queen, Anishka Aurora, from 12 noon to 4 p.m. weekdays on Sunrise.